So before we start this episode today, um, we would just like to uh, give our support to the people in Ukraine. Um, we've been obviously watching what's been unfolding this past week. Um, it's breaking our hearts. Um, and I don't know if we have any listeners um, that are in Ukraine um, or I don't know if we have any listeners who are Ukrainian, but in either case, whether we do or don't, um, our support is with Ukraine um, at this time. Hey, Senda. Hey, Phil. Do you want to talk about where you came from, where you're going in your gaming? Oh, in gaming. Sure. Where'd you come from? Where'd you go? (laughs) Cue music. And welcome to another fine episode of Pandas Talking Games. I am your host, Phil, who has been on this gaming journey for nearly 40 years. And I am your other host, Senda, who's only been doing it for like 20, which would normally seem like a lot until Phil goes first and says 40. Until this damn dinosaur. (laughs) Oh, man. <sighs> I am the then dinosaur. It, now it doesn't feel like I've been doing it for very long, even though I know. 20 years is plenty of time. I remember <laughs> I remember when I hit 20 years was when you started. Yes. <laughs> Not helping. Oh, boy. Wow. <laughs> anyway, we've spent the last 20 years on the on parallel journeys. Right, 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 which yeah. is great, right? So today... Well, what we should say is today we picked the topic because we came up with it last episode and we thought we should talk about it. But it uh, also means that if there's anything that's really, you know, you'd like to hear us talk about, you should probably let us know because we'll talk about it. But we got excited about this one. That's the nice way of saying it. If you listen to this episode and you're like, boy, this is not my favorite pandas episode. This (laughs) is what you get when we pick out the topic. (laughs) Which is sit here and talk right right so you should probably send us topics anyway so today we are going to talk about your gaming journey and along the way we're going to share some of the details of our own particular gaming journeys which sometimes like kind of for the last probably 20 years have some similarities and some overlap and for the 20 years before that don't because i was like an infant for some of that part (laughs) i was definitely playing games when you were born yeah oh my god 100 percent. i 100 percent. i was probably playing basic D &D when you were born yeah when you were 10 yeah yeah okay cool moving right along so to start off with phil can you tell us what do we mean by gaming journey right what the hell do we mean by that? <laughs> What are we talking we're do- about? Here? This is one where we literally just made up the word, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. What we're going to define gaming journey as uh, for today is gaming journey is the history of your gaming. Um, it covers the games that you have played, the people you've played them with, the conventions you've gone to, the events you've been part of, etc. 
it includes your taste and preference in games, right? That has a historical content content to it in many cases will likely be different over time. Uh, your GMing and player styles may have changed during the time you've been a um, you've been on this journey. And various gaming trends, like certain things become popular or certain things kind of fill up the zeitgeist um, during different periods of time. And all of that gets folded into your gaming journey as well. So everyone's gaming journey is unique just because it's personal to each individual, right? Like none of us are going to be on the same. Some of the shared stuff, like the general... Um, you know, what what the direction that the, the community is in or designers are excited about, like as they inspire each other may be the same, but each of our individual experiences of that is going to be different and unique because we are all different and unique human beings. What yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> both Senda and I, based on chronology, were gaming during the D20 boom in the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, but we have pretty different experiences. Um, yes. What were you playing in the early 2000s? Well, so I was playing 3.0 and then 3.5. Right. Right. When that came out. And that only, only that. Right. And it so, was my first game and I was reading it cover to cover. So I also played 3.0, also played 3.5. I also played D20 Modern, uh, D20 Future. Uh, mutants and masterminds and probably a host of other d20 games that i can't even remember now that probably existed when pdfs first came out um Mm -hmm. but i was very much into that d20 boom um in the way of playing not only DD, but i played uh a whole bunch of other um derivatives you were into the actual d20 boom i was just into d D &D. yeah yeah and it wasn't even d20 to me I never experienced the previous forms of D&D. So to me, it's funny because when I say D&D, to me, because of my personal experience, that is synonymous with D20. Right. Even though it's not, right? Like, yeah. that's a whole thing. But like, because the first game that I walked into of D&D, the first game I had ever played, D&D was 3.0, which was the D20 D&D, Right. The beginning of that whole, like that whole thing that happened in the 2000s with D20. Um, like to me, I'm just like, yeah, D&D is a D20 game. Like that's. Yeah. And so that's, I mean, it's a great example of how you and I, like that. It's a great example of how you and I both existed in the same point in history in gaming, but had very different gaming experiences. Like I remember the lead up to 3.0. Like I remember taking a road trip and going to Columbus to see the first preprint of the player's handbook in a plastic box that you could put your hands in and flip through the pages um, that wizards brought to origins. Right. And I remember buying my crystal cast dice that I would use for my first 3.0 character. Um, but then I also remember things like playing, again, playing Mutants and Masterminds. I ran a huge D20 Modern campaign during that time. Like I was bouncing from D20 product to D20 product um, as I did in those days. Because while you later would become poly, pan, multi-gamerous. Pan, multi-gamerous. Right. Yeah. I was that. You already were. Way yeah. before that. So I was just moving through more games in the D20 um, genre. 
Right, which is really interesting, and I will just say this quickly, and then we can move right on, mm-hmm. um, because we, we've actually had this conversation off mics, right? Which is part of what has influenced each of our individual journeys is that um, your primary like favorite genre upon entering games was sci-fi, and my primary favorite genre upon entering games was fantasy, and D&D was already that. Right? Yes. I didn't have a lot of impetus to expand for a while, but you were like, okay, this is cool, but I want to play sci-fi. Where's my favorite genre? I, I, I looking. sometimes wonder what would have happened if I had run into Traveler yeah, before I ran into D&D. Right. Because I may not have been as multi-gamerous yeah, as I was. Looking. Yeah, Yeah, because I would have probably not looked as hard. Traveler would have done um, almost everything I wanted to do when I started out. So anyway, um, the point is, and the point for everybody listening is, whether you realize it or not, you've been on a gaming journey, as we all have. Yeah. What? No matter how long it is it doesn't have to be 40 years or 20 years it could be six months it's fine i hope we should clarify that (laughs) it later becomes 40 years right right i mean that's what i'm i hope that's what i'm exactly so it doesn't have to like like, look but like no no gaming journey shame if it's been a month i was a listen i was a journeyman gamer forever right like i mean for years i was like just a fledgling gamer and stuff like that just in a different time everybody starts somewhere like, and I guess, you know what, let me, let me just soapbox for a second on this. Okay. None of what we're talking about here for gaming journey, none of what we're talking about in terms of how long we've been gaming is meant to be gatekeeping in any way. We both started from sitting down one day and being like, what's this? And, and going forward. Um, what we're talking about is, I guess what, I guess what we're both talking about is if you're a newer gamer, we are just sharing some insights that we picked up along the way. Not yeah. not to prevent you from doing anything. You should have your own journey. You are having your own journey. You should enjoy it. And you should not feel like, oh, this guy, like he's played 40 years of games. He must know everything. Trust me, I don't. I'm involving this thing as we go. I just have like been evolving it for a while. <laughs> like, right. Well- Long enough to have sat down and for us to have had a conversation where we said, wow, we could actually talk about this because there's enough here. I mean, a person playing their first couple of role-playing games can be just as good of a player as anyone um, who's been playing forever. I will say that it's a little different for GMing. GMing is a little bit of a learning curve. Anyone who's been GMing for any reasonable length of time, a couple of months, six months, whatever, um, is going to, could be just as good of a GM as someone who has been, um, old and crusted like me. <laughs> like they, they, it's not a gatekeeping thing. It is literally just a, um, perspective. Fair. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Off good. my soapbox. Don't feel shamed. If you have not been playing for a while, um, look forward to having 40 years of games under your belt as well. Yeah, then 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 you can do a podcast too. No, I'm kidding. You sure. can do a podcast you should, now. You can just do a you podcast. You should just do now. it now. Yeah, you don't you have to do wait. one. Just go do one. Don't worry about it. Like, <laughs> leave us crusty people. Like, uh, uh, I'm the keeper of, of history, not a all not a trendsetter. The but archivist. The, yeah, I'm the archivist now, not the trendsetter. Okay. Cool. Great. Cool. 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 
Cool, 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 cool. Okay, so I think the other question that we probably need to answer between all of our soapboxes that we keep leaping up onto and then jumping back down off of um, is why does your gaming journey matter? Like, why are we actually having this conversation now that we know what what we're talking about, right? Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, the legitimate question, right? It's the question I ask myself every time we write, you know, every time we script out an episode is why does this matter, right? Why do we care? (laughs) I will give you my take on it. Okay. Uh, as gamers, we are constantly changing and growing. Simply, the more times we play or even interact with the hobby, jump out on Twitter, have a discussion, read a thing, whatever, the more times we play or interact in the hobby, the more experiences and information we acquire and our feelings about things change. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we start to accumulate biases and judgments about um, things in the hobby or games or mechanics or whatever they are. And sometimes you pick them up sort of without even realizing that you are, you might not even know where they're necessarily coming from. And sometimes that means it's just like a very generalized opinion that like a large part um, of like your particular game community holds. Sometimes it's, you know, conversations with other people. Sometimes it's personal experiences. Um, but you know, we just pick up biases. Mm-hmm. right and that's that shapes how we interact with the hobby yeah um it it just does like what you like you are always um you are always acting on past knowledge and assumptions and biases like for everything in your life um same thing holds true with the hobby yes so basically where we're coming from with this is that from time to time it might be a good idea to think about what your current biases are, um, examine them, and then to potentially challenge them, right? Mm-hmm. Because you might get good things out of doing that. You might discover things that you've been missing out on that are really cool. I call this the Brussels sprouts rule. Sure. Yes. For yeah. many, many, many years, most of my life, actually, mm-hmm. um, I thought I disliked Brussels sprouts. Now, I will yeah. caveat this with the fact that... Um, Brussels sprouts have been um, altered. The crops have been altered to be less bitter. But all through my childhood, Brussels sprouts were like, if you're bad, you're going to have like Brussels sprouts for dinner kind of thing. Yeah. They're like literally TV punchlines everywhere. Exactly. They're supposed to be really gross. I grew up hating Brussels sprouts Mm -hmm. until like five years ago. I started They're having Brussels sprouts and delicious. then <laughs> and admittedly I've had them because people kept wrapping them in bacon and stuff. And I was like, okay, listen, sure. I was like, listen, if you like Brussels sprouts cause they're wrapped in bacon, you don't really like Brussels sprouts, <laughs> right? Like you just like sure, bacon. Sure. But in more recent time, I have fallen in love with Brussels sprouts I um, love and I have some sprouts. ways, I have many ways to cook them now that do not involve bacon. So I am yep. fairly confident. I like Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And also do not involve boiling them because here's the other part of the Brussels sprout rule, right? Like we both thought that we didn't like Brussels sprouts, but I think part of the reason that Brussels sprouts got a bad rap is because everybody cooked them by like boiling them or steaming them. That is instead of boiling them, not a way that I would personally cook Brussels sprouts. No, I like them. I like them. I like them somewhat charred. Roasted, broiled, mm-hmm. pan fried, air, air like fried, air fried. Yep. Yeah, anything that makes them crispy around the edges, right? Okay. <laughs> anyway, so let but, me bring this back to gaming. Yes, my point to this is my point to this for a long time was that I just didn't like Brussels sprouts. If you just asked me, like Phil, do you like Brussels sprouts? I'd be like, no, gross. No. Yeah. And then one day, 
I like thought for a second. I'm like, wait a second. When do you even remember having a Brussels sprout? Yeah. And I was like, I don't. <laughs> and then it was like, why do you dislike them? And I was like, because everybody told me they were gross. bad. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, maybe I should try one to mm-hmm. see if that's true. Mm-hmm. Changed my opinion. That's yep. my point here is that we have biases. We have assumptions in the hobby of things we like and don't like. And if we don't challenge them from time to time, we don't grow as gamers. Yeah, sure. So like and, and, roll, roll 2D Brussels sprouts. Yeah. And yeah. <laughs> and I'm and I'm not even just talking about games. I'm talking about GMing styles, player mm-hmm. styles, um, types of gaming. Like you might have a bias against online gaming. Like this is what I'm talking about. Like all of these things you have some thoughts about. When you don't challenge them, you don't grow. So grow. He's giving me big, intense like Sorry. I want, I want, I want for the world to keep moving forward. Yeah, it's good. absolutely cool. Cool. Let's let's resume. <laughs> cool. Um, so we're going to talk about a few things specifically um, in line with um, what to look at, what to experiment with, or what to just consider so that you are kind of acknowledging where your actual biases, etc. and experiences lay. And then you have a better idea of, you know, what could be worth re reinvestigating right so we're going to talk about um tastes and preferences um assumptions change and then reflection and introspection i love it yep so let's let's actually start with tastes or tastes or preferences right yep and this one is is fun because it's definitely been a thing that has evolved for me a lot (laughs) yeah absolutely right (laughs) yeah which is i mean and, and and people's tastes Many people's tastes, mine and I think yours included, do change over time, right? Like it's inevitable mm-hmm. that the way that we approach things, um, the the way that we, what we want out of it, what we like doing, can change. Um, certainly, my gaming tastes have changed, and I also eat Brussels sprouts now. So, Brussels sprouts are delicious. <laughs> Had, no one knew when they started this episode about gaming journey. <laughs> It would be so much about Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts. Um, you know, I have an entire ancient like um, uh, HTML book from the O'Reilly series, and it's all about kumquats, which no one would have expected either. So that was my first my first HTML book. Anyway, way, way, way back when. Ah, if anyone else remembers that book, the kumquats were really funny. Anyway, Brussels sprouts. Um, so the interesting, <laughs> the interesting thing um, about tastes and preferences is that sometimes they change really gradually and you may not notice as they continue to evolve, right? And sometimes they change in a very specific moment where you have like a boom, like, wow, opinion has shifted kind of moment where something specific changes your mind. Yeah. And I think all of us probably experience some sort of mix of like both. Mm-hmm continuously oh yeah yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i think different experiences hit i think different experiences come on in different ways yeah definitely yeah. and it just kind of depends on what hits you but um the interesting thing about talking about that is and i, I think it's cool because i know phil's going to tell a story about this um in a minute but like the ones when your preference or taste is changed or affected by a really specific moment or experience it's really easy to pinpoint and be like that changed everything for me right there that was so wild um it's harder to pinpoint um change when it's gradual 
mm-hmm. and it kind of just creeps up on you. Um, and, and so that's, that's a, it's just another thing to think about, right? Like, mm-hmm. then it's more like thinking about what kinds of games was I playing like, you know, X amount of time ago versus what I am playing now. Um, has that change stuck and been continuous? In my case, yes. <laughs> but I think, so having set all of that up, I really want you to tell the story, so I'm going to sure. get to the question. How have our tastes changed since we first got into the hobby? Sure. So I'm, a, I'm just going to focus in on a part. Yes. Right? Um, You're going to have a boom moment. I, I'm going to talk about a boom moment, and then I'll talk about a gradual moment. I'll see if I can check sure. both of them in. Um, yeah. So my uh, boom moment, right, that very specific moment, was um, uh, playing Fiasco for the first time. So I had gotten an advanced copy of Fiasco. Um, I was a gnome. I am a gnome. Um, mm-hmm. I got a copy from Bully Pulpit asking me to review it for Gnome Stew. This is before Jared like really took yeah, over and, the, and did the, the review guy. Real, um, yeah. <laughs> I'm like the I was the review hack, but I was like totally down for this. Yeah. So I got this game and I read it and I was like, this is like nothing I've ever played before. Right? Like there was yeah. nothing about Fiasco that was like anything I'd ever played. And I was kind of unsure about it because I was like, there is no prep to this game. It's it's not even really a GM, like it's decentralized. Like, but I really like um Cohen Brother movies, so I really like the genre it was trying to hit. So I got a few friends together, all real traditional gamers, and we played it. And uh, it was completely eye-opening and changing for me. Uh, so much so that I actually, in um, Engine Publishing's book about um, about improv gaming, Unframed, I actually um, wrote about this as well. Um, but for me, it was the moment where I embraced improv gaming. So yeah. that first game, and I remember playing it clearly, and I remember it was it was hilarious. Um, I wrote a whole, um, I wrote two part review on it. Gnome Stew, if you want to like historically go back and see. Um, but that moment changed for me um, what improv gaming could be uh, from what I was doing before. And I eventually, within a few years, stopped um, doing a lot of traditional gaming and did a lot and, and like moved into like, um, you know, ad, ad lib, ad hoc kind of gaming. That's like, that was my um, big shift in the uh, 2010s. Yeah. And then what's interesting is like in the last like year or so, like I went back and looked and I went from, from say two years ago of playing like really rules light, small games. I have found myself like now really enjoying rules, moderate games. I don't, I still don't like super crunchy games. But I have found myself like there are more free league products, uh, <laughs> DCC, uh, Cortex. Like I, I'm finding these games on my shelf now far more um, and getting played far more than like a lot of my lighter games. Yeah. And I just I think what I've really come to love is I like a modest i like a moderate amount of crunch to my games i don't want my games being super crunchy but i like i like to i like rules i like rules i like dice i like choices those kinds of things i found this is where i've kind of found myself right now and i'm okay with it it just it means that like what i'm currently reading looks different than like what's sitting in my bookcase yeah yep because it's evolved it's, it's evolving. Yeah. It's currently evolving. Yeah. I don't know where it's going in the future, but I, this it's is fine. where I am right now. Yeah. I mean, it is really interesting to me because, um, 
you know, I'm on the show now and always talking about playing lots of indie games. And I did choose a super geek and we played all kinds of indie games. And it was um, in and of itself an experience in helping me pin down exactly what I like um, in a personal game because I, I, I played a lot of games. And especially early on when I didn't necessarily know the stuff that um, I was personally super in love with. It was all over the place in terms of crunch levels and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. Um, but it's really interesting to be here and very much consider myself to be um, both multi-gamerous and um, someone who, like, I... It's not that I will never like a moderately crunchy game again or whatever, right? Like, and we're playing Cortex and I'm like, no, this seems really cool. Um, but, you know, I am very much at this point aware of like when I read the synopsis of a game and I'm thinking about backing it or any of those things like the amount of uh, rules crunch that is in that game is a huge factor for me in terms of my immediate like am I going to like this or not right um so I'm I usually go for like the smallest possible like lightest possible games is my default now. And what's interesting about that is um talking about where my actual personal gaming journey began. Um it wasn't just that I like D&D was my first game. I I went from 3 to 35 to Pathfinder because I wasn't willing to let go of the amount of crunch that was in three and three, five to go to fourth edition, right? Like I wasn't willing to let that go because I had fully committed to that level of rules lawyership. Um, and, um, and to like that specific style and feel of gaming, which fourth edition kind of did change a bunch, right? Like it didn't feel the same in terms of playing a character. Um, but like it was also something where like I wasn't even willing to look outside of that range of books. And the only reason that I even looked at Pathfinder was because that's what everyone who didn't want to go to fourth edition was going to. Right. Um, because we kind of just wanted to keep playing the same thing, which is really funny because we could have literally kept playing the same thing. But because everybody else went to fourth edition, we were like, no, we still have to move to something. So we went to Pathfinder like it's um it's funny well, would, i mean that's not by accident that's exactly what that's, that's exactly, exactly what, what pathfinder did. was promising yeah it is exactly what they were promising and it worked right and it was exactly that um but what's interesting is that somehow in this journey and i i, I won't spend a ton of time on it because we got a lot more things to cover but along this journey there's a couple of specific things that pushed me along but mostly it was just a gradual change from thinking i only play D D, right and there's a lot of people still like this um, out there. And the reason that I tend to personally default to thinking that that um, means that you've played for less time is because of my personal experience of like, I played D&D for forever. And then I was like, oh, there's all these other games. Like, that's totally not true. And that's a personal bias on my part that I would think that, right? Because um, there are definitely people who have played D&D for forever, longer than I've been alive, and will continue to play D&D exclusively for the rest of their lives. And there's fine, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but so my personal gaming journey was very much like very crunch D&D stuff all the way to like, you know, 
I mean, when it comes right down to it, Yes is definitely one of my favorite games. And we tend to play mostly Yes and Powered by the Apocalypse. Powered by the Apocalypse is about as crunchy as my group gets. And that's, you know, with intent because that's how we like it. Right? Like, sure. That's with purpose. Anyway, so that's my particular like change in taste and preferences. It definitely went from enjoying the rules mastery um, and really just wanting to dig in on all of that stuff to can we do this all as improv, please? I don't want any of us to have to plan. And, um, you know, I only want to roll the dice when it's interesting kind of thing. But yeah, big shift. I mean, 20 cool. years. There you go. All right. Let's talk about assumptions. Yeah. Along the way, we collect assumptions about the hobby. We then base our decisions, future decisions, on some of these assumptions. Yeah. Sometimes these assumptions are true. Sometimes they're just false. And sometimes what was true no longer is true because our tastes change. And so it's possible that as our tastes change, certain assumptions we have become not valid. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. So let me pose this question for you. Yes. What is an assumption you have about the hobby? And I already see it on the notes, so I I'm already <laughs> I'm like already prepared. offended. Like but go ahead. Yeah. It's fine. My assumption is that I don't like old games, right? I don't know that I have ever played a game older than 3.0. Right. I don't think that I have. Actually, I don't know. When did Vampire come out? I didn't actually play 90s. it. I just made a character. Just before. Yeah, I never actually played it, though. We just set up characters, and then we didn't. Yeah, so I so first of all, I think this is a great assumption to challenge, right? Now, <laughs> are there bad games in the 80s? Yes. Yes. 100%. 100% there were bad games in the 80s. I, are there bad games now? Yes. Yeah, yeah, there, there are, are bad games now. Yeah, but um, I watched you play some of them on Misdirected Market. Well, it only affirmed okay. my assumptions. <laughs> Look, you watched yes. me play one game on Misdirected It was Mark. bad. <laughs> it wasn't good. Um, the game we're talking about is uh, Gangbusters. Um, and I agree with you. That one did not hold up over time. And in mm -hmm. fact, not only did it not hold up over time, I didn't play it correctly in the 80s because of the things I didn't like about it. Yeah. Okay. So this was also the first time you were playing it right. Quote, Correct. Right. I was playing it yeah. correctly and, yeah. and also was like, boy, this isn't as much fun as I remember it. <laughs> Um, and there were a bunch of things missing from it. You can go catch the old misdirected Mark episode from like 29 episodes from the 2019s that cover that. But I do say that there are older games that I think will hold up against test of time that I think you might find interesting. And I will posit, Hmm. I'm going to posit th four games. Okay. Four games. I will tell you really quickly. Um, one you mentioned already, Amber Diceless. Yeah. I think you might enjoy. Yeah, because that is actually it seems just a the story most game. Likely candidate. Yeah, it seems like the first story game. It, like it, I could be into that. It's a story game, and if you read the novels, um, didn't. No, no, I said when you read the novels. <laughs> is that Zelazny? Is that it? Is Zelazny? Okay. They're that a little was... dated. They're a little misogynistic. Um, I'm not going to say that they are fantastic. They are definitely. Um, Appendix N kind of, you know, cornerstone fantasy stuff like that some of the genre was built upon. I would still read them. They're interesting. Um, and there are two 
sets of those. But anyway, we're not going to, we can talk about that. <laughs> we can talk about that in the, in the lounge. Sure. Um, so Amber Diceless, I think would be interesting. I don't think you would hate it. Um, Marvel superheroes, the face rip version. I think it, you would really? not face hate rip? either. Okay. I, face rips, not crunchy by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. It's just built off of one table. Once you put the table in front of you and like make your rolls, it's actually a pretty simple game. Okay. Um, which has a couple of things that I think um, it'll have some things missing that you'll miss, but I think it'll have some things you would like. I don't think you would die if you played Marvel superheroes. Um, the next one I'm going to say is um, the first version of uh, witchcraft by Eden studios. CJ Sorella, I think was the author uh, that game. I actually think you would like quite a bit. Think you would actually enjoy that game. And I could probably get that to the table because I'm pretty sure Bob would play that game in a heartbeat if it came back. <laughs> okay. Um and lastly, what was the one I was gonna pick? Oh, lastly, the Whispering Vault. Horror superhero game. Um, but the mechanics are actually pretty easy, and um it's a really interesting um it's a really interesting setting kind of thing it's got like a cool mythology to it that i think you would actually dig it's got some transformation stuff about putting on bodies before you go back into time and stuff like like that i think those four games i could get i could run for you and i think you would like them and i don't think i would have to do anything heroic to make those games uh enjoyable work (laughs) yeah yeah cool okay all right anyway i think it's a, but i think it's a fair maybe. assumption maybe <laughs> yeah that's fine all right uh, i'll share my assumption really yeah. quick um yeah yeah i have a i definitely have a bias against uh games that use percentile which is ironic because i was just talking about face rip uh-huh. but i have game like games that use percentiles um i tend to out of hand dismiss um i'm not a huge fan of call of cthulhu um the reason I don't like them actually comes from um, those early TSR games like Top Secret, um, Gangbusters, um, and to some extent Star Frontiers, which I love the setting, but I'm not a huge fan of the mechanics. Uh, I don't like um, all the modifiers and the mathiness of, you know, minus 20 this, minus five that. There's a thing about older percentile games that kind of just rub me the wrong way. I also don't like first level characters being really shitty in skills like where they can't roll like you have a 20 percent in whatever your skill is good luck you'll never like get over it i have only challenged this once i played some call of cthulhu um recent like during the pandemic with chris and a few people i did not love that system but that version which was a percentile game i did not i did not outright hate either um i think that I think that for me to play a percentile game, a game based on percentiles, a modern game, I'm going to need to see some things about how modifiers are done. Um, if modifiers are really granular, mathy, and have like a lot of um, uh, latency, I'm probably going to be put off by it. If somebody had a really cool way to do modifiers, like that were just um, real simple, like simple, like disadvantage, simple. Um, I think I could probably get behind a game like that, but it's been a bias I've had for a long, long time. As soon as I hear games like percentile for instance, Oh, what's that transhumanist game from the two thousands? It's still out today. Yeah. I got nothing. Uh, I'll look for it while we're talking about the next section. But anyway, there's a, there's a relatively modern game that is like transhumanist and everything about the game. I own it. Um, Everything about the game, appeals to me except the mechanics because they're percentile based (laughs) 
Anyway, um, anyway, that's just one of my biases. Um, so let's let, let's let me stop talking mm-hmm. and let me kick it over to you to talk about sure. change. Change changes. Do, do, do. We don't have the rights for that song either. <laughs> let's um, stop before we get in, <laughs> before we get in trouble. Stop doing that, Phil. Jeez, <laughs> why? Why do you keep doing it? Um, cool. So change. So we talked before about our tastes or our preferences specifically changing, um, but as humans we change but also the world around us and this like you know the lake pond of you know tabletop rpgs um the hobby itself also changes right so some of those changes also affect our taste or preferences um sometimes it's just the outside influence sometimes it's new discoveries or new tech in terms of how we're writing rules whatever it is um and sometimes it's minor and might just affect a little thing like, oh, how cool, you know, the idea of relationships. Well, I can just sort of plug that in wherever I want. Um, sometimes it can have a more profound impact and be a bigger thing that has, in fact, changed. Um, it's really interesting because for this particular section, I think we have a question written down. It's probably going to be more of a conversation because since we share the last, like, 20 years of gaming history, a lot of the big changes, I think, have been shared experiences for us in terms of the external influence of change. Um, Although I was certainly not as steeped in it for um, a long time there. So maybe like the last 10 years. Let me also say though that, um, and I guess this, I guess this is also still true because I was Hmm. friends. I've been friends with you for a while, but our lives change a lot. Oh man. That's also super true. Right. Like, like who you were when I first met you and who you are now are like two very different people. Well, that and like, and I know we've talked about this on other shows, or like having babies really affected our personal gaming in various ways. I mean, it, it's a good point. I'll actually, um, why don't you toss the question out and then I'll follow up on that. Really cool. Quickly. Yeah. So, so the question is, what is something that has changed in the time that you have been playing? And then it sounds like we should both address this personally. And then we have some other things that we were going to talk about, which are more universal to the TTRPG experience. So, so when we talk about like minor changes, um, not that I had a rash of child violence in any of my games. I, I did not. Right. I did not have any like I did not have like child violence themes in any of my games but once i had kids that became like a hard line yeah hard no we like like, yeah it's not an option we talk about it every time it is not okay yeah it is it is in my it is ever since i became a parent before i became a parent i just didn't think about it and i think if it had come up in a game i would have been like gross yeah yuck but ever since i became a parent in my lines and veils uh, that is one of my like when i just throw them out there i'm like no child child violence. violence just nope done none it's the reason this is not specific to gaming but it's the reason that i could never watch the remake of um who shoot cylons what is oh battlestar collect battlestar galactic couldn't watch it because started watching it i I, i'd had a baby for like two weeks and in the first episode she like picks up a baby and kills it and i was like i am out yeah i stopped watching i do not trust you no more of this nonsense i i stopped watching um uh, Law and Order Special Victims Unit because mm-hmm. that often dealt with um, uh, child crimes against children, and I was like, mm, no, "I thank just, you, yeah, no, this is not you. my entertainment." No. Um. Anyway, so that is a thing where you where 
an event in your life affects your gaming. Yes. Right. Like that, like, that, that is definitely a thing. I will also say that um, Never Unprepared was written um, when my ex said to me, once we have kids, you won't have all the time for gaming that you do now. Yeah. And I and was went, like, oh, God, oh, I better, I better like change how I prep games so that I can still run games. Yeah. Um, there's a whole thing. Like if you read, um, I think it's in the prologue of Never Unprepared. Like I talk about that whole thing where I panicked um, because a life event was going to change my gaming, but I or was going to impact my gaming and I changed my gaming in response. Yeah. In fact, even today, my um, default time for playing um, games is Sunday at 6 p.m. Uh, because my kiddos, when they were little, were going to bed at like seven when they were little guys. Yeah. And nothing really happens with kiddos, like events or anything, on Sunday nights. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So Sunday nights became a very doable gaming night for me and has lasted for like 17 years like this um, because. Um, it was the dead point in my kids' schedule. Yep. Kiddos' schedules. Yeah, both of them. Um, so those are, those are things. Like, those are things that change us. Um, let's talk about some other things, because there's one in caps that we should absolutely talk about that um, was a, a thing that changed in the gaming industry that then changed both uh, how we both approached gaming. Yeah, yeah. And that was safety. A thing that we've yes. talked about before, and, and not only on this show, but like at Metatopia, um, on panels and stuff that you can catch on the uh, the uh, oh Jason Pitts um, podcast where he yes, records all of the, the panel cast or panel cast. RPG um, panel cast or something. Yes. Um, so if you want to hear us talk about safety with Alex Roberts from 2018, I want to say um, that's out there too. Um, so yeah, safety safety did not exist. Safety didn't exist <laughs> in the way we think about it, it today. We should I think say safe- it didn't exist in. A formal form that you actually sat down and had a conversation or discussion with the people at your table, right? Yes. I mean, I think I think safety was a little more hit and miss. Some groups did an okay job of it. Um, some groups hurt and pissed people off. Yeah. Um, and not even consistently. Some groups would sometimes handle it okay, sometimes handle it poorly, whatever. Yeah. And I still think that's true today. But I think the difference is we have a language um, by which we can better have that conversation. Agree. And the fact like, that we do have that conversation and that tools exist to help support that conversation. Um, you know, it's important. Sure. I'll bring up another one that is also not, um, I mean, I don't think, it, I think it's more trivial than safety because I think safety is really important, but um, I lived during a time where online gaming was not possible. Yeah. Like yeah. you could not, especially with long distance phone rates, Yes, you could not yeah. play a game on the phone. Uh, like you just didn't. I didn't. I'm sure now I said you didn't. Somebody's like, I totally played using like Bell Telephone, like long distance <laughs> in general. <laughs> in general, online gaming was not actually a possibility. There was play by mail. Yeah. Where you actually like yep. mailed a letter with your moves in kind of thing. Um, but I mean, I, you know, again, you know, cause I'm old and I'm, you know, the archivist now. Um, 
I exist in a time before an internet and uh, gaming was a thing you did with uh, gaming was a thing you only did with the peeps you knew or like people you met at the hobby store. If you were um, fortunate enough to live somewhere near a, um, a convention or something, I didn't, I I did not um, that kind of thing. Um, But now I play an online game with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, weekly, and I, you know, ran all through the pandemic when we were in isolation. I ran my games online. Not possible yeah. back then. Definitely not. A- and and changed how I run games. Yeah. If I have to run them online, it's a very not different a thing. Um, I mean, the other really interesting thing that I think was a it was sort of a slow evolution, and it was partially Kickstarter and partially like some other influence. But what, you know, we just watched the rise of um small book games and like the feasibility of publishing as an individual um in the ttrpg space um and i I mean you know there's a similar one in like standard publishing and all of that kind of stuff because things now exist like create space and um you know just basically print on demand right like that Mm -hmm. stuff didn't technologically previously exist and it made a really big difference because now when we have a conversation, you don't have to publish a minimum of 2,000, you know, of anything to publish a print book. And you don't even have to publish a print book. You really can for um, for this kind of thing. It is perfectly feasible to publish a PDF or to publish an EPUB. I won't go down that rabbit hole, but you know my feelings about it. Um, but I think that that change in terms of the accessibility of publishing made it so possible for this explosion of like um, creativity and new mechanics and just small games and all of this stuff to happen that we've seen in the last like 20 years, right? Um, I, I, it's I incredible. 100%, <laughs> I, I 100% agree. I, it is impossible to be current on everything that's going on in role play. Yes, I, and that's amazing. It, it is, <laughs> it is amazing. It. It, we, we live in a time where Literally, there's a game for everything. Yeah. There are um, the ability to acquire games. The I, I mean, thanks to digital publishing um, and small publishers, I mean, there are things like community copies. And I say that because I don't see... Um, I don't see Hasbro, Watsy, um, <laughs> yeah. putting out community putting out copies. Putting out community copies. Um, but, like, there, like, we just... We live in this kind of um, amazing time where... Um, I like if somebody tells me like, oh, I'm playing this game. There's a good chance I don't actually know what it is. And right? two and two or three years ago, I was pretty plugged in to everything that was going on. But in the last two or three years, even now, there are so many more games, more game publishers. Like it used to be, I like when Kickstarters would come out, you would just kind of know who the yeah, usual look suspects at the publishers are. Publishers were and but be like, like, yep, cool. Now, like there are publishers I've never heard of making awesome games. Yeah. Um, which is great. Um, it also does mean, and this ties into my misdirected Mark episode coming up um, this Tuesday, um, your gaming backlog is a nightmare now. Yeah. Like, I have so many games that it's, it's worse, I want to play. It's worse than my product backlog at work. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's terrible. Like, my backlog of games that I want to play is enormous. It's, it's, it's almost impossible for me now to play all the games that I have backed, um, supported, picked up, bought, whatever. Yeah. And the thing is, I don't know which ones will be important later. We're going to talk all about that on the Mr. Mark this coming week. 
Nice. Which for my friends who are listening to the show, um, goes what is it live on the first and yeah it's um, actually drops be... drops on the eighth it should drop in time with this episode yeah it'll drop yeah. the tuesday after this episode drops but if you see it live you'll be seeing that show before you hear this one yep all right so let me move us along now to um, our last part of this um which is reflection and introspection mm-hmm. kind of the same thing yeah um here's the point of all this right we've been talking about changes and things like that from time to time we need to be pa- we need to pause and be mindful in order to see these changes and in order to um, dig into our assumptions and 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 see if they need to be challenged um, what we need to do is like literally just stop and um, you know like with your tastes look at what you like now or look at your gaming your gming style your playing style now compared to the past and think about like why has that changed like, what has happened that, um, how did you get from where you were to where you are? And, um, and what does that tell you? Right? Like, I, um, I'll just briefly, oh, I'll, you know what, I'll save it. I'll save it for the question, because I have this coming up in the question. Oh, okay. Um, also, kind of going back to the Brussels sprouts thing, <laughs> like, pick an assumption that you have and see if it still holds true. Right. Like challenge that assumption, like ask yourself, where did that assumption or that bias come from? Um, And be wary. Like uh, this is true in business as well. Right. Be wary when you don't know, like when the answer in business, we've always done it this way is almost always the sign not to do it that way. Don't do it that way. Um, Or at least to challenge it. Um, I I will say the same thing is true. If if you're just like, well, I've only, I only ever play fantasy games or I only ever play D and D maybe try something different. Challenge that assumption. I mean, it could be that you go play like some, you know, some modern game and hate it and go back to playing D and D that's legit. There are times I try foods where I'm like, yep, nope, still don't like that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That's what I tell my kids, right? Like you don't have to like every food you try, Mm -mm. but it's worth trying it to know why you don't like it yep or um, to know i'm if very you do yeah i'm very okay when like when one of my kids will try something and be like mm, it's okay but i really don't like the texture of it i'm like cool legitimately now you understand why you don't like it and more importantly it will inform you about other things that you won't like because if that if you don't like this texture I can tell you three other foods you probably won't enjoy either. The same thing holds true for games. If you try a particular game and wind up not liking it, it's okay to not like it. Um, If you then know um, what you don't like about it, it will help you inform future games that you should, you know, like maybe you don't want to play that game. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. Cool. Uh, Our question. Yes. Our question is, upon reflection, Yes. what has your changing tastes informed you or what assumption do you feel like you should challenge? Um, so apparently I should play some like Amber Diceless or Witchcraft. That's what I'm hearing. <laughs> I think you would like Witchcraft. Um, and actually I'm in the midst of challenging one right now. I've talked about this a little bit, but I did not have a great initial experience with Cortex the first time that I played it. Um, and I think there were a lot of different thing, you know, factors that went into making that experience not so good. 
Um, and we are now, um, you know, we've we've built our Cortex game for Long Live the Queen, um, built our characters for Long Live the Queen in that particular Cortex Prime setup, um, and played our first session. And I'm like, no, I'm, this is cool. Like, I think I'm good with this. So I'm waiting for, um, we're going to play again tonight. And it'll be the first time that we, you know, things will probably start clicking all, along a little bit more now that um, I think we both... Uh, have a bit of a handle both on the mods and from my perspective on the game itself and how the dice mechanics work. Um, so I'm good with it. That was good on... Go, Phil! Making me challenge the assumption that I did not like that game. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I mean, I, again, you know, and this is how we have biases, right? Like, you had a bad experience playing it once. Yeah. Legitimate, like, it's a legitimate bias, right? I tried it once, I didn't like it. Yeah. Um, and then I like started reading the rules, and I'm like, "Yeah, you were really excited." I don't know. About you it. really like fate. I don't know how <laughs> you don't like this game, like, right? Which so I, I was had, like, to be clear, I hadn't played fate the first time I encountered Cortex. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I think you played an older version of of Cortex, yeah. which this is the prime. And I was like, right. I was like, I was like, just hear me out on this. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> yeah. Like let's just play four sessions. If you don't like it after four sessions, we'll find a new rule set for this game. Yeah. But I feel like. It's going to be pretty good. We'll talk about that yeah, later. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, my assumption that... Um, so the thing I learned, right, upon reflection is that um, I actually do like mechanics, right? I talk about them on... I talk about them on this show, Misdirected Mark. Like, I like mechanics. I don't... I for a while the pendulum swung into the you know lasers and feelings category of like you I'm know, still literally there. no rules. <laughs> um, but now that like I found myself back playing these moderately crunchy games i realize i like a certain amount of of um mechanic in the game like i like the choices that cortex prime um creates like i like the building a die pool and then figuring out like which two dice do i want to use which one do i want to be an effect die um like should i use a plot point should i not use a plot point stuff like that i think it's originally why i also liked um fate to some degree yeah um was along those same lines i like a little bit um of mechanics and i really like my mechanics to um inform play of my game right i like forbidden lands quite a bit because i like the fact that there are actual rules for travel yeah um that make travel a real thing and actually make it interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I like that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm growing very comfortable with like, there are certain games that I'm still like, "Mm, that's too crunchy. Um, but there are a lot of games where I'm like, no, that's actually a pretty okay. Um, that's a pretty okay level of crunch, um, for me. Um, I know I said DCC before and people will be like, good Lord, that book's enormous, but it's enormous. The secret, the secret to that game is that it's not actually enormous. The magic section for that game is enormous. The rest of the game is actually like 13 pages long um, with some character stuff chunked in the front of it and whatever. It's not actually that hard of a game. Um, And I still think it's one of the best D20 implementations ever, but that's just me. Anyway, wrap this thing up. (laughs) Here's the thing. (laughs) Uh You Uh are on a gaming journey. Which is awesome. Um, we've, we're all on gaming journeys. No one's journey is more important than anyone else's. Your journey is important, most important to you. Your journey comes with tastes and preferences, assumptions, biases, um, all of those things. You change over time 
And really the best way to recognize change in yourself is to be mindful and do a little introspection uh, and reflection um, as you take the journey. It's worth doing along the way um, because when you challenge your assumptions, when you challenge your biases, and when you recognize your changing tastes and acknowledge them, uh, it opens doors for other experiences in the hobby. And who knows, some of those experiences could be one of those pivotal moments that changes everything about your gaming. Mm-hmm. Feeling very philosophical. Today. Yeah, it's very Phil being philosophical. There you go. Anyway, <laughs> that is uh, that is our show. Once again, if you're like, eh, this wasn't my favorite pandas episode, well, then you better send us in a topic before we start <laughs> making up more of these. Uh, we'll talk about how to send us a topic in just a moment. Um, but thank you very much. Senda, tell us about another show on the Mr. Mark Network so that we can head into the closing. Yeah, absolutely. I am thrilled today to be talking about There is Super Geek, which is an actual play one-shot live stream and podcast created by three BIMPOC players to highlight the voices of marginalized folks in the tabletop RPG scene. Uh, they feature gender-marginalized GMs and a diverse cast of rotating players. You can tune in every other Thursday from 9 to 11 Eastern, um, on the misdirected Mark Twitch stream, I think that they are, they're coming back. So Sweet. <laughs> um, I will just say really quick for people who heard me mention it partway through the episode, we're yelling at your, um, we're yelling at your, uh, whatever's playing your podcast, <laughs> your phone or whatever. Um, the game is Eclipse Phase. Right. It's this game. It's this game, yeah. Phil. Yeah. <laughs> I found it. I found it. I just had to look through my giant ass PDF collection. <laughs> it's Eclipse Phase. Cool. Okay. Um, that's Good. the transhumanist Good. game that has a uh, percentile system Good. that I keep wanting to play, but I'm like, eh, but I don't like percentile. But also percentile. Okay. Good. Tie that knot off. We can now close the show. Say, <laughs> Senda, where can people reach us on the internet? Well, you can find us on Twitter at Pandas Talk Games. You can find us in the Misdirected Mark forums, which is forums.misdirectedmark.com. You can drop us an email, panda at misdirectedmark.com, or you can go hunt us down on the Tiki Talkies. Um, where you can actually like video interact with us or send us video topics from which we will snoink your audio. Um, and Phil, once they find us in one of those places, even though I already said what we would do in TikTok, <laughs> these are bespoke, by the way, what can they do with that information? Uh, as we've been threatening all episode, um, please send us your topics, your questions, uh, things you want us to just, um, you know, talk about, um, things that you're having trouble with in your games, whatever, whatever it is, send it to us. Um, we will try to uh, answer it and make a show out of it for you. Um, giving you some advice. Our goal here is to make GMing um, more fun for you, right? Make more better games. Uh, the more that you enjoy GMing, the more you will GM and the more this hobby persists as uh, until a time where we design games without GMs, um, we need them. Yep. And we need you to be a GM. So we're doing our part to help you stay in the game um, by smoothing out the rough spots for you. If there's something that is unenjoyable for you, uh, ask us. We'll either try to find where to look for joy in it or we'll help you make it a little less painful. Um, it'll differ for everybody. Everybody has their strengths and uh, weaknesses in GMing. Anyway, uh, please do that. If you like what we do here elsewhere on the Misdirected Mark Network, please consider supporting our Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash MMP. Your patronage gets you the Bamboo Lounge, the out the um, after show from Misdirected Mark, and access to our awesome Slack Room for Life. 
that includes just a huge uh, group of really nice people um, just sharing life together, recipes, jokes, role-playing discussions, all that stuff, uh, as well as access to our Friday afternoon, um, our Friday lunchtime, Eastern, East East Coast, lunchtime uh, Zoom call uh, where you can hang out with us and um, actually just see a bunch of us just chilling out, um, stuffing our faces, talking about whatever nonsense comes up. Uh, like Andy's sex camp. It's gonna, <laughs> just going to drop that right like, there you're just gonna and walk away. going to put that bomb there and then just leave? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not what you think if, it is. Yeah. If you're already patroning, if you're already patroning the show, thank you very much. If you're unable to patron the show, we understand completely. There is one more thing you can do. There's a thing you can do. Yes. Send a, what is this thing that would be so helpful for us? You can leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or the podcatcher of your choice. And that helps tell a stranger that we're cool. But you can also just tell somebody, right? Like if somebody's like, hey, I was looking for a cool podcast about RPGs to listen to and I'm not really feeling actual play right now. Um, hi, we exist. Uh, thank you so much for sharing us and getting the word out. Uh, it really does make a difference. That's definitely how we get um, people who who listen when they come with uh, personal recommendations. So thank you so much to everybody who has let somebody know. Mm-hmm. Awesome, awesome. Great. Say, Senda. Given the choice between Amber Diceless and Witchcraft, which game do you think you want to try first? This show is a joint production of She's a Super Geek and Misdirected Mark Productions, the media arm of Encoded Designs. Hello. 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 Okie dokie. Recording separate, uh, recording apart again. Once again. Boo. In separate locations. I liked recording in your office. <laughs> I like it when you're here to record in my office. Also, it's kind of fun because like I get to do all this cool audio stuff and be like, look at me with two different tracks, even though there are two people recording and we are in the same space. The only thing like, I, I'm being all fancy. The only thing I like better is that I can see you straight on with the camera. Where I was kind of looking at you like partially sideways when well, we were recording. You're not set was, up. You're set up for this yeah, recording, not I, um, set up for... If it was something that we did with consistency, I would not arrange my desk the way that it's exactly. arranged. Yep, yep. I would, in fact, arrange it specifically differently so that two people could face each other and still, you know, have a conversation. Indeed. Okay. Ready to go? Okay. Yep. Yep, yep. <laughs> we don't have the license for that for the other yeah, one. Yeah, it's like, wait, wait, back up, back up. We're having a game changer moment. We're like, we can't, can't play this. We do have the right licensing to use that one. We do indeed. We do. <laughs> and welcome to another fine episode of Panda's Talking Games. I've been here all along. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm going to do another one. <laughs> I've been here the whole time. time. Sorry. <laughs> Got it wrong. I'm doing it again. Ready? <laughs> <laughs>